3: Rams nation what's happening what's good it's your boy bear Motter of Rams podcast but this is lockdown Rams Tuesday edition of lockdown Rams we're excited for another great week of content and to kick it off this week we have got Matt Williamson of lockdown NFL Matt how you doing
0: I am fantastic. How are you?
3: Oh, man, I am doing good. This football free agency has been so much fun to watch. I know it's March Madness, but I haven't even filled out a bracket yet because I'm still just so much in, into football. So uh, it's been the exciting time even after the Super Bowl for us, which was kind of a letdown. So it's kind of picking back up out here in L.A. and, and Rams fandom. So uh, excited to have you have you on. Make sure to give him a follow at WilliamsonNFL on Twitter, He is the host of Locked On NFL, so he's got a bunch of awesome guests. He's doing mock drafts Uh, for today. We're going to kind of ask you a little bit about the offseason so far for the Rams. Uh, Blake Bortles is in town uh, Mm. visiting the Rams as a potential backup. We'll talk about that, and then we'll look at uh, the draft. And I know you've been doing some mock drafts, so we'll talk about that. But just to kind of start it off, I mean, right out of the gate, how do you think the Rams have done so far in the offseason with, you know, a limited amount of money to spend?
0: Yeah, it hasn't been a real exciting venture, obviously. Um, Lots of key guys. It looks like Sue probably won't be back. Um, Keeping Fowler, I think, was a nice setup. And I think that they've gotten the most out of him over his career. I think that's a good situation. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's some needs. I mean, I think the offensive line worries me a little bit. I think you could probably use at least one more guy in the secondary. Linebacking situation not wonderful, but, I mean, the star power is here. And, I mean, obviously very, very existent with this team, and we saw them go very far last year. I also think a backup running back's probably in the cards at some point here too.
3: Yeah, backup running back, and we can chat about that a little bit because, you know, you know we'll talk about the money, but not a lot left for the Rams. And, not you know, right. C.J. Anderson had a little run here that was pretty successful, and some people want to see him back. Some think that, you know, his market may get too high, but then we saw – the market kind of come down with even the Le'Veon Bell and how much money he got and looking at how that will kind of play out through the rest. Mark Ingram took some cheaper money on a three-year deal. Uh, so we'll see what we can really get there at the running back position. But uh, thoughts on Eric Weddle coming in at the end of his career, yeah. cheap safety right out the gate. Do you like that move?
0: I urge the Ram Nation and all the Rams fans out there to go to si.com and check out Andy Benoit. If you don't already, he's very, very good. He's kind of a Greg Cosell's X's and O's expert. But about a month ago, he wrote a really descriptive, impressive uh, story about what Weddle does for the Ravens. And to kind of put it in a nutshell, they are maybe the most deceptive defense from the back to the front in the league. And a lot of Andy's resources and watching tape really implied to him that Weddle was the engine that made that all go. You know, especially mentally, that he was so good at not necessarily disguising coverages himself, which he's very good at, but aligning those around him to disguise coverages and move at the snap and and just orchestrate that entire symphony. That's really really hard on quarterbacks, and I think you mesh that with Wade Phillips. It's pretty impressive. And oh, by the way, Donald and company getting a lot of immediate pressure. I think he's lost a step. I mean, I don't think that he's the dynamic athlete that he was not long ago, but makes up for it in very crafty manner, like I described. And I think he'll help them, you know, cause turnovers.
3: Yeah. And I think one of my most favorite things that I love about this pickup is just getting them to work with John Johnson. You know, the last two years he's just been on the the rise and gotten better and better last year. You know, had a, had a great year, some really big impactful plays, uh, and just kind of that that veteran leadership that you talked about, the ins and outs of the the student of the game that Weddle can bring in developing him either even further along. So I love that combination back there, and kind of you know really solidifying the back end of our secondary. So that that's probably one of my favorite things about that. And then you, you mentioned Fowler Real quick on that line. Him I back. apologize. I yeah, mean, go this,
0: ahead. Johnson's come along really well, but I think Weddle will be very good for him too.
3: Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. And, yeah. and you mentioned uh, the Fowler deal. It ended up being a one year, $12 million with about another 2 million in incentives. Some people, this has kind of been a debate. Is that too much for him? Was that right? It was, you know, it was kind of like a franchise tag, but allowing to have a little bit more wiggle room on it. Do you think they overspent there or do you think that's a good, good sign for the Rams?
0: I think everybody's overspending everywhere. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you know, I mean, they they stay in the market and keep your head above water Particularly at that position, I think that's just kind of the going rate, and um, people know I'm kind of dialed in with the Steelers, and they, you know, the Steelers signed Chicolo for four million, and I lost my mind. I'm like, what on earth is going on here? And then they signed Bud Dupree to nine on his fifth year option. You know, I mean, he's the same year as Fowler, and originally I'm like, there's no way they'll get Bud Dupree nine million dollars. But you're seeing what these average edge players. Smith and Smith and Green Bay like they're good, you know, but are they worth the insane amount of money that Green Bay gave them? Apparently so in this market. And I think Fowler fits that bill too that the familiarity is important. The obviously the talents there. That's just kind of the cost of doing business, but it doesn't seem like good business, does it?
3: Yeah, you're right. A lot of those early deals never end up being the great deals, yeah. right? And uh you mentioned the Steelers there and I kind of want to talk about it a little bit but Uh, They also signed Mark Barron. Do do you know the actual, I didn't see the contract terms. or I can't remember it. What did they end up paying Barron? Do you remember? I don't have in
0: front of me. I know it's a two-year deal. I think they can, the structure that they can get out after one. I think it's around 13 million or so. Um, I didn't want to ask you about him. I mean, I like the signing, but I don't think he had a great year this past year. Steelers are really looking to get a lot more active and athletic in the middle of the field, you know, their linebackers, Bostic, Vince Williams are more thumpers that don't fit today's NFL. So I like Baron for that perspective. And maybe you have some insight on this too. When he came out of Alabama, there was a lot of talk of great leadership, you know, quarterbacking the defense, all those type of things, too.
3: Yeah, he's got, in, in, from my opinion, kind of a little bit more of a, a quiet leadership role. He's definitely the the grinder get in there. I remember going to training camp when he was banged up and he missed the first four games of the season uh, last season. And he was on Wade Phillips' hip throughout spring training or training right. camp. He, he Everywhere Phillips went, he was right there with a clipboard and kind of whispering in his ear. I love that about him. He was very engaged. He wasn't those guys that was just on a bike with a towel over his head and, you know, coming on late. He was out there the whole time. He had that kind of coach mentality that you could tell really helped the team on the field as well. But he struggled, you know, he struggled. I think he had a career low and about 43 tackles. Again, he missed, you know, four games to start the season. But he just wasn't that player that we saw uh, a few years back when he had over 100 tackles and was flying around everywhere, both in coverage and the run game. So he definitely struggled this last year. And he kind of found, almost like Sue, he kind of found his way in those last few games of the season. One of his best games was in the playoffs versus the Saints, where he seemed to be all over the field. Uh, uh, racking up tackles and just making kind of impact plays uh, to free up Donald and a few of the other guys. So uh, he got hot near the end, and that was one of the reasons I thought Les Sneed even talked about it. He said, you know, we'd be curious on bringing him back if the price was right. But, you know, I think the Steelers, after... Obviously, creating some money uh, opened up there and and need to kind of fix some problems on defense. We're able to give him a little bit more money. I think he's going to be missed out of kind of the more uh, nostalgic reasons out here. Mark Barron was just kind of a fun Mm -hmm. player for the Rams. He's one of those diehard players that, you know, he had a couple really monster hits throughout his career that kind of just showed that he was putting his body on the line. But production was low. Uh, Unless he came back at a a really, really cheap deal. I think the Rams are kind of, everyone here was kind of, that was their big circle on saying, hey, let's cut this guy and save some bucks. It ended up happening. He's now uh, with the Steelers. But, you know, uh, maybe a change of scenario. Maybe if they use him a little bit differently, he can get back to that level because he's still, you've seen flashes of it, but the consistency over the whole year just wasn't there.
0: Yeah. Uh, Do you think the Rams now are, they're looking for, well, I guess looking for a replacement. I mean, I, I think they need a little more help on the second level. Don't you agree?
3: Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, you know, that's kind of the big question is, what do they think of some of these young guys like Kaiser, who, you know, really only played on special teams last year, Oko Okoronkwo, who we didn't see at all because of his foot injury. What has he really got uh, Ibu come another guy that they've you know got some hopes on so uh, it's going to be interesting as far as what they have on the roster and then what they do in the draft to kind of add some competition there but it's going to be a young player it's going to be uh, someone mm-hmm. young that's filling in that role and we're going to expect some some big things out of them but the nice thing is like you mentioned is we got uh, Aaron Donald up front uh, we've just paid Fowler some money to put some pressure on the quarterback and then the experience of Weddle in the back and to and Peters so hopefully with a lot of the leadership around these young guys are able to kind of succeed uh, quickly, but yeah, it's going to be that, that, that second wave of, of defense in that linebacker group is going to be interesting to watch how the Rams fill that out. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get some words from some of our sponsors. We're going to step aside. We'll be right back after this lockdown Rams Tuesday, Matt Williamson, bear matter, right after this. This is how we do. We make a movement at the food while we up in the club. This is,
1: The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a post-mortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry, you can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams
3: Nation, we are back. Second segment, we've got Matt Williamson from Locked On NFL. Remember, his Twitter is WilliamsonNFL on Twitter. Reach out to him. Throw him some questions. Follow him. He's got amazing content all the time, whether it's mock drafts or having great guests. He gives a a very good look around the whole NFL. And like you said, he's got a, a dialed in with the Steelers as well. So uh, tons of awesome content there. I want to talk to you a little bit as we start to continue to move this along is the Rams. One of the positions that they are in need of, or at least we think they are, is a backup quarterback. Sean Mannion, free yep. agent, uh, didn't impress at all during the preseason in the last couple years. Uh, We're not really confident with him, and it looks to be that it's time to move on there. They've got Blake Bortles in town, who, you know, is coming off of uh, not so much of a good season, you could say. You know, he's 24-49 and as a starter, 11 interceptions and 13 touchdowns last year. Jags own about $6.5 next season. Uh, What are your overall thoughts about where Bortles is at in his career and maybe a potential fit here in L.A.?
0: It's an interesting one um, because I can see it through a couple angles is I've never been much of a Bortles supporter and I'm, you know, I'm, not a lot of people are, I mean, right. in, in terms of starting quarterbacks and he has it wasn't successful in Jacksonville and um, there are tools there. Um, but I kind of thought when, when it became a foregone conclusion, he wasn't going to be back in Jacksonville. I mean, as of late last year. I thought a fit for him would be Carolina, you know, go be Cam Newton's backup, run the ball a lot, go be physical, be an athlete out there, not real cerebral approach, you know, make some throws, but don't have to be super accurate. Be Cam Newton, light, light, you know, Michelob Ultra of Cam Newton, right? But, (laughs) and to me, that doesn't sound like golf or the Rams or a sophisticated attack, but then I'm sitting here thinking as we're talking that... I'm not saying McVeigh dummies it down for Goff, but he can dummy it down. And I'm not implying, implying that either player's you know stupid or anything, but I think if he's in Bortles' headset for oh, up until the 15-second mark or whatever it is, and basically tells him this is what we see, this is what you're going to get, then maybe they can coax him along and make his life easier and make it a very quarterback-friendly environment in backup terms, you know, I'm not saying he's going to challenge golf or anything like that, but I mean, I guess I see the allure and maybe they Vic- Vic- liked him coming out of school and some of those things go back to, you know, what kind of grade did you have him on him coming out of college?
3: Yeah, I think for him, it's really a chance to get with an organization and almost kind of a rehab for him, you know, come in for a year. Uh, Mm -hmm. get under that system you know if we need him we need him most likely hopefully just like Mannion he just rides the pine and holds the clipboard but if he does come in he's got an opportunity with a really good team really good uh, you know offensive mind coach and really another chance to kind of go back on the market in a year or two or whatever it may be to kind of resell him because there's not really an opportunity for him as a starter anywhere in the NFL so he's looking at a backup role he's got the money coming from Uh, Jacksonville next year. So he doesn't need a massive contract, which fits nicely into what the Rams really could offer. But, you know, kind of looking at the QB market, as far as, you know, players that are already in the NFL, there's not a lot out there right now. It's pretty dried up. Obviously uh, there's, you know, names that we recognize of Brock Osweiler and uh, Josh McCown and McCarron's another guy that, you know, is probably going to be jumping around a little bit and Matt Castle, Tom Savage, Uh, Griffin. So there's not like a hot market out there. And I think out of those, I think he would kind of fly to the top, at least in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Out of that group. Yes. I mean, I like McCown, but I think McCown's at his stage of his career too, that he's going to pick and choose where he plays if he plays. Um, But yeah, at least Bortles has a little more upside than that group you mentioned. And I do, I am a big believer in guys that quote failed in their first opportunity to go sit without expectations in that room, learn from McVay, watch golf grow and hopefully grow with them. And no one's expecting you to be the face of the team and put everybody on your shoulders and just, you know, kind of exhale a little bit in your career.
3: Yeah, and I know you get a, a good opportunity to talk to Mark Schofield of Locked On Patriots. Yeah. You know, he's a good friend of the show here as well. And uh, we had quite a few opportunities leading up to the Super Bowl to have a conversation. He's big in the in the quarterback and the draft world. Has he mentioned any quarterbacks or have you seen any quarterbacks coming out in the draft? Maybe somewhere, you know, in that third to you know, fifth, seventh round, someone later in the draft that's out there that the Rams might be able to put a draft pick into this? Huh.
0: Uh, Brett Ripon from Boise State is a guy I'm very interested in. I know a lot of people really high on Tyree Jackson as a prospect. He kind of frightens me. Um, I think a guy like Jared Stidham could be a lot better as a pro than he was a co- in college. You know, get him away from that Auburn system and just learn for a while. Um, maybe Ryan Findlay from NC State. I mean, I-, I could see him being sort of a cerebral fit. And I'm and I'm talking about these guys turning into the answer as your number two quarterback. You know, right. I'm not saying they're the next Tom Brady or you know they're going to light the world on fire or anything like that. And I got more work to do on all these dudes, but Brett Ripon to me is is really an interesting player, and I have a hunch he might go a little higher than people are are guessing too.
3: Yeah, that's a good name, and, and you said Tyree Jackson, and that's one that kind of excites me in a sense of just like everybody, right? The height, the size, yeah, the power, right, right? Everyone's in on that, and then just really thinking about how McVeigh with the creative offensive play calling, like, what does he do if he has a backup like that, you know, in his weapons with some of the end-around stuff he's doing? I mean, he had Cooper Cup throwing passes a couple of years ago. I mean, so it kind of opens up that curiosity, and then really, I guess the media out here would start breaking down if. Tyree Jackson was one of those impressive guys that they could then mold and turn into a starter and not have to pay Jared Goff some big money. We talked about that on the podcast over the last couple of weeks about, you know, Jared Goff's coming up for the big contract. And, you know, do they want to keep it as the program they have now with a cheap quarterback and pay elsewhere, or are they going to give him the big bucks where he's getting 30 million a year? I guess we'll find out soon enough. And, and to kind of close out this segment, do do you see Jared Goff as that big money quarterback staying a long time out here in LA? Yes. But I mean, I do think I'm not a
0: golf hater. Don't get me wrong. Right. There's a couple of the guys of his generation, you know, went in that neighborhood that I would clearly put ahead of him. And I would say he's a second level, young up and coming franchise quarterback, not a first level one. Um, he's shown lots of flashes of being the first level one, but he's also had some downtime. And I think that he's Really benefited from the system, and I never implied that this was quote it was a good idea, but I did just throw it out there as something to think about. That I wonder if a team and the Rams have been aggressive, and they've been they're an outside the box type of thinking team. I wondered if any team out there would have the stones to say we're really well coached, we are very quarterback friendly, we just want to stay on the train of paying our quarterback rookie money. And we're not going to give a golf $25, 30000000 whatever it's going to be. And we're going to keep bringing in free agents left and right. And we're going to use the 31st pick on a quarterback a year from now and do what we did with Goff with them. You know, I mean, I just think it'd be an interesting experiment that I don't think anyone has the guts to do. But if anybody would, it might be the Rams.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm interested. We talked about it last week on the podcast. I I, I I kind of uh, stated it. Okay, listen, Rams Nation, don't get mad at me. I'm not saying I don't like right. Jared Goff, but it right, is. Right. It's it's a curious way of doing things, and it got us you know this far with some of the free agents we're allowed to get, and then when we get to Jared Goff, and we have to spend some more money, and the Rams are expected to have more money over the next couple of years, but still, it kind of. It's interesting to think as the ways the NFL is shaping and changing and these guys coming out and there's always this hype during draft about some of these quarterbacks. We traded a lot of picks to go get Jared Goff. And I don't know if that's really the way to get it done is to trade a lot of your picks to go do it. But that's that's how it got done in the first place. I'm interested in it. I'd love to hear multiple conversations to see how it could be developed, but again, I am a fan of Jared Goff and that will kind of throw it back to, you know, what you said is I, it's funny I think a lot of people don't put him on that first tier. He's not an exciting guy, you know, <laughs> he puts up some big numbers, right, right. but it's always, you know, thrown back as, you know, McVay is the genius behind it and he's just the arm that's producing some of the numbers, but he doesn't have, you know, he's not a big media personality. He doesn't kind of go and grab you and make you a big fan. Uh, which is good for us. He fits really into the mold of what you know the Rams have said as we, not me, and he's not trying to be that big guy. But there's a lot of questions about it, and we'll find out soon what Lesney wants to do. He talked about if it happens, uh, it's going to be after the draft, either this offseason or next. They want to make sure they know what's going on and where they're going to be before they do it. But I always love that debate because I'm curious. I'm really curious. Like you said, it, it is interesting, and some teams are going to think to do it because if you keep trying to play with the big boys on the way that it was built, you may never get there. So you got to get creative, uh, change the game a little bit. And the Rams have been known to do that in the past. So I agree with you there. But what we're going to do real quick
0: before we go to break, I just want to say one thing about that is, again, I don't know that anybody's going to have the stones to do it. But if the plan was trade golf a year early, get some serious picks in return, sign a Teddy Bridgewater for $7 million, and then draft a guy, draft Will Greer in the second round and keep bringing in Namakong Su and Marcus Peters every year. It's just one way of trying it. I'm not saying it's the right move, but it's an interesting conversation.
3: Yeah, it brings that like NFL Madden, you know, where you can go and be the GM yeah, yeah, and, right. and see if it all matches up. And, you know, hey, I wish we could play that out in, you know, Madden season and see how that works out, but that's not the case in real life football. But I like it. I'm, I, it, I, I, it might not he- go well.
0: I'm,
2: like, yeah, <laughs>
3: all right. I, I'm with you. It may not go well, but I'm, I'm open to hearing some of those creative ideas. Uh, and if we get him for 30 mil, I think everyone here will be excited about him because I think in the system he can be productive. So either way, um, the other side is very risky, a little bit safer with keeping him. But that's a lot of money. So we'll see what they end up doing. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We're going to get some words from some sponsors. We'll be back Tuesday edition. Matt Williamson, Bear Motter, right after this. This is how. All right, we are back. Third segment, we've got Matt Williamson from Locked On NFL with us. We are talking all things Rams, free agency, a lot of the rumors going around. I love that conversation about what to do with Jared Goff because that could be a hour and a half podcast with all the scenarios you could build there. But uh, as we kind of keep talking about this draft and we talked about some of the quarterbacks maybe that we could add uh, as a second-string quarterback, someone developed there. The Rams draft at number 31. This has been my number one question for anyone that I've had on. If you're the Rams, do you draft at 31, take best available, or do you trade back and pick up some more picks?
0: Hard call. I think you're definitely not in a position to trade up. You know, the, uh, if you could get this, – this draft seems pretty deep, and if you could pick up an extra second-day pick, that might be really useful and end up with, you know, a linebacker, a secondary player, interior line help, and a backup running back or something like that with four picks instead of three on the on the first two days. I think that would be useful, but I also think where they're picking might end up being sort of a sweet spot for what I think is their is is their number one need, and to me, it's basically an interior offensive lineman. I mean, considering you just lost Saffold. I guess Sullivan could be back, but he isn't right this minute. You know, Whitworth isn't young and this team has had such a good O-line for so long that I don't think you want Goff and Gurley and company to ever have to live without that wonderful thing they've had to lean on.
3: Yeah. The O-line is definitely going to be interesting uh, with Saffold gone and and solely gone at the center position. You know, they're they're excited about Noteboom coming in from everything Les Snead Mm -hmm. said. He thinks he's a, a plug and play guy. They think they've got uh, Brian Allen at center that they're excited about. But again, these guys are young, haven't seen a lot of action. You know, uh, one of our guests, Vinny Bonsignor, who writes for The Athletic, you know, kind of tried to give us some upside by saying, you know, these guys and the way that McVay practices during the regular season, they got a lot of reps during, you know, the regular season as far as with the ones in practice. So they've gotten some You know, good experience, especially when you're going against guys like Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald and Duncan Sue. So uh, they feel good about where they're at there. But I'm with you. I think they do need to add some pieces there just in case one gets injured or it doesn't work out for Allen like they thought. They've got Blythe on the right side that's been moved into the center road role before. So maybe they're trying to fill a right guard need instead of a center. So there's a lot of ways that they could do it. I agree with you there. I'm with you as far as trading back. This draft is deep. And in a weird way, you you said another thing, that it's kind of the sweet spot right there because there's going to be some players that fall, whether it's injury or off field or any other concern that teams start to have. And you'll see players fall in the draft, and it goes quick, and they start falling. And when you're late in the draft, you can maybe pick up a good guy that you can... Uh, plug and play right away. So it, it all depends on how that falls out. Uh, but I'm I'm with you. I think in this draft, I would want to trade back at 31 and pick up another pick and and try to get another uh, decent player in that first couple days of the draft. The Rams have done really well in the past few years of drafting. So I kind of have confidence in less need and Sean McVay as far as picking out talent. So uh, that's the way I go there. And I know you've done a couple mock drafts, Uh, You know, talk to me about what you do see available for the Rams at 31 in your mocks and maybe a couple names you see uh, coming to us with those fits that we just mentioned.
0: Yeah, and I want to stick with the interior offensive line theme because I do think Noteboom has a chance to be a very good player. I liked Blythe more at the beginning of the year than the end of the year, to be honest with you. And it just seems like, I mean, I know you spelled that out with sort of Rose-colored glasses, or you know, yellow and blue-colored glasses. But <laughs> I, I still got questions there for that It basically the entire interior of the O line. But going back to the trade down situation, I'm looking at like five names here it, to fit that mold. And my hunch is at least three of them are available at 31. Maybe four, maybe all five. That if you move down ten spots, you still might get Garrett Bradbury from NC State. Cody Ford from Oklahoma, the, the, the uh, combine didn't really help his stock all that much. Chris Lindstrom from Boston College, uh, Eric McCoy from A M. Or or Elston Jenkins from Mississippi State. Like all, I think all those guys are pretty much plug and play, pretty high upside, low risk, interior offensive linemen. And then I'd feel a heck of a lot better about that guard center guard situation.
3: Yeah, a lot of big names that you mentioned there, and you know, coming from big time schools. And you're right, that interior line uh, is is going to be important, especially when you know we talked about getting potentially a backup running back for Gurley because of some of the reports about his knee and how he finished the season, and who's going to be there to help him out. Jared Goff saw his best success, obviously, like most quarterbacks when they're being protected. So uh, yeah. that's going to be really important. We had a line over the past two years that had the most combined starts together with no interruption. So uh, it's going to be kind of a rude awakening if we don't find the pieces that fit that puzzle.
0: I just don't want to see what it looks like without the really good line. You know what I mean? Like, I know it works with it. I don't know it works without it.
3: Well, I guess that also goes back to our conversation where we ended with Jared Goff and giving them that 30 million type of dollar money. When he, when he tries to re up his, after his rookie contract is, you know, what does he look like with a beat up line? Can he still make Mm -hmm. things happen? You know, we've seen him move. Okay. In the pocket and make some, Big play, especially late in the games, and uh, we know he's ready for some of those primetime moments. Obviously, the Super Bowl is not one I want to mention as one of those primetime moments, but you know he's got it in him. But what's he like without a strong, strong O-line? Can he get rid of the ball fast and still be productive with a lot of those wide receivers, including Cooper Cup coming back, uh, is going to be something that they'll have to see, and whether that's no boom or someone that they draft interior early in the draft or... You know, like a lot of people are worried about the edge linebacker that we talked about earlier. Maybe they see that fit early. Uh, there are a lot of questions when it comes to the Rams draft coming up, you know, here and, and not too long from now.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. Then, you know, I've really focused on the interior of the O-line, but it wouldn't shock me one bit if that's not the direction they go. Uh, you mentioned we, we've talked about a couple neat areas for sure. It, it will be interesting. And as for Goff. I'm I'm not saying he can't do it, you know, perform under pressure and, but like the case with every quarterback, it is much more difficult. It is a huge challenge and I'm just not sure, you know, I mean, I want to make his life as easy as possible with every young quarterback and the Rams have done a great job of that throughout his career. Well, well, but. After Fisher left. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> very much. That, Starting
0: year two. Yeah. That's all but,
3: right. Usually we uh, earmuffs to everyone out there listening uh, when we said Jeff Fisher. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's so long ago.
3: It is. It feels long ago. Sean McVay did a great job of making us you know, forget pretty quick. So um, great conversation. I'm so glad you could come join us. Guys, again, make sure to go give him a follow at WilliamsonNFL on Twitter. Uh, he is the host of Locked On NFL. He's got great podcasts Monday through Friday. Uh, Bring on great guests, doing a lot of mock drafts as the as the draft is getting closer. Uh, so give them a follow, give them a listen. Matt, we appreciate it, and we look forward to uh, talking to you again soon.
0: Yeah, this was a blast. I'm glad we were able to do it. It was kind of a short notice situation, but it worked out really
3: well. Yeah, quick fill in, and you did it awesome. So we're excited to get yes, you thanks, back. Brother. Next time, I'll give you more than 10 minutes headed up, and we'll we'll run it back. But I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon. Cool.
0: Thanks, brother. This is how we do. We make a movement like at the full this is how we do nobody do it like we do. It's
2: so, short, so love this is how we do we make a the while we up in the club. this is how we do nobody do it like we do. hey locked on listeners you already love our network and NFL show so why go anywhere else for the fancy football information you need to know for the 2020 season you just need to check out locked on fancy football hosted by me Vinny Iyer. we're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.